You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Hey, what's going on, Kensington? Let's stand up as we worship and celebrate Jesus this morning. I was buried beneath my shame. My failures I tried to 
Come on, let's get those hands going. My world was shaking, my heart was broken, my hope was fading, but was coming. And now I'm singing, look how he lifted me. My life was sinking, my days were numbered, the waves were crashing, the flood was coming. Oh, hallelujah, look how he lifted me. Oh, look how he lifted me. His grace and mercy is my testimony for every victory. I've got a song to sing. Look how he lifted me.
my hat. Come on. What do you think of the hat? Oh, we've got some doubters out there. I don't know. I switched up this service. Now I am doubting myself. Anyway, but happy football Sunday to everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You can have a seat. Uh, Ryan, here he comes. As always, we have to have a little fun on Football Sunday here at Kensington. I know that surprises everyone a great deal. Uh, but I want to hear, uh, where are my Bucks fans today? Where are you? Okay, okay. What about my Chiefs fans? Oh, a little bit more aggressive on the Chiefs side this service. I do. Where Tom Brady fans. Let's just put it this way. Okay, Tom Brady Tom. fans. Tom. See? Okay. There we go. Yeah, so we got to go for Tom Brady today. I see. Is that really number where it is? Number seven, number seven. It's just, I see. So that's where works. you're headed today. You're going, that's where I'm heading. You're I'm going all the way I, I wasn't there three years ago or two years ago, but I am okay. now. So all right. It's going to well, be fun. I guess, I guess it is going to be what it's going to be. But you're right. It would be number seven. Tenth Super Bowl, his seventh win. Very impressive stats. So, hey, I know it's shocking, but we are going to do some football trivia. Does anybody find that surprising in the room? Anybody? anybody? No throwing footballs today, though. Not going to no, happen. No, we're not throwing things at you. I don't have any hot dogs to throw or anything fun like that, which liability. has happened in the past. I know. Uh, but, hey, for those of you that are joining us on the stream, we want you guys to participate in this, too. You can post your answers in our Facebook group, and I have a prize for you as well. But if you are joining us in person and you want to participate in trivia, we need you on your feet. Everybody up everybody up and there really is a prize it is right here in my back pocket we are not just kidding so can you put a dollar business. amounts worth to it well you know a local business go get some dinner wow so, dinner possibly depending what you eat We're you know talking double digit well i'm not talking like here. filet mignon but That's you could awesome. get like maybe a burger maybe one maybe burger. a burger one so, burger. just saying. But here's what's going to happen. We need you guys to be on your best behavior. And Ryan is going to pose the question. He's going to go through the multiple choice answers. And if you do not get the question right, you need to sit down. Honor system. Okay? No phoning a friend. No asking your neighbor. No Googling it. All phones down. I think we're ready to begin. All right. Let's go. So, it's going to happen really quick. Here we Question's go. going to pop up on the screen. I think there's five or six of these. So, let's put the first one up there. And uh, you can there read the is. question. Highest price for a ticket to the very first Super Bowl in 1967 was. All right. We'll give you four options. What a, you seven dollars and fifty cents. Twelve dollars for B. C. Twenty-five dollars and D. Thirty-six dollars. Lock in your answer right Lock now. It Lock do, it do, in. Do, do, Here we go. Do, do, and the do, answer is do, do, do. B. Twelve dollars. Oh. Wow. Take that a seat. Was we wiped out about three quarters of the room on the, uh, wow, at the first look at service. That. So oh, this is I'm very impressed. happy over here. Very happy. I'm impressed it. if you are standing. That was, uh, you were very intuitive and subtle All to pick right. that one. Number Next two, question. Get here ready. we go. Next one. How many points do you get for a safety? No, he is not praying. All right. He is not praying. How many points do you get for a safety? A1, you know B2, this. C3, D. Five. All right. Lock you should in. know. Everybody should know. Football fans, you should probably know this one. The correct answer is two points, Gee. right? Okay. Two points. Oh, I saw some people sit. A that few really sat. makes That's me pretty okay. sad. It's okay. It's a unique play in football. All right. All right. Go next Ryan. question. Here we go. Which one of these artists did not perform at the halftime for the Super Bowl? Here oh, we go. It's got people last year. Hey, Usher. B, Queen Latifah. C, Hank Williams Jr. D, new kids on the block. Oh, Whoa. oh, oh. Who did All right. not? Which one? Who do you think it was? Lock it in. Do, You're going to be surprised. Do, 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 the answer do, 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 is 
See Hank Williams. Oh. Wow. Who's still up? There's a few more on we that one. We've got some people back here. A little bit here, of a surprise. Here. All right. So we've right. got we some gentlemen. You. One gentleman over here. I see a couple back, back over here. Yep. One right here. One here. One. Okay. So we got about 10 people yep. still up. All right. Let's see how we keep do. Keep it rolling. Let's keep playing. Next question. Here we go. Tough one. Oh, Love this question. I like this one. How many footballs are made for the Super Bowl? Right? This is crazy that they actually have an exact number. 64, 108, 120, or 155? What do All we right? think? Lock it in. This is really going to be the eliminator here. It Lock is. it in. Here we go. We're revealing the answer. It is B, 108. Whoa. Wow. Wow. All right. Look so we at still this. have three. Right here up front. We Looking have good, sir. Four, five. Back here. Is there anybody on the far right? I don't I see anybody. Don't oh, see six. anybody. Okay. Over here, though. All right. Okay. I think we have, is it one Keep more question? Going. Let's see the next question before you, we do. Oh, okay. this one's big. All right. How many Americans skipped work on Monday after last year's Super Bowl? All right. Ooh. How many skipped work? There's a lot. It was, yeah. 5 million, 8.3 million, 13.6, or 17.5. Wow. I can't believe think? that people would miss that. I know, right? After. It's a I lot. I don't get it. All right, maybe they had too much, if you know what I mean. <laughs> All right, the correct answer is 17.5 million. Wow. All right. Did anybody stay up? We got one. No. Anybody? Wait. Nobody's anybody? up? <gasps> Seriously? Okay. Wow. All okay. right, if you were down, come back up if you were up for the last one. Yeah, all right, here's what we're going to do. Last one. This is we're going to do our record. last question. All right, if you're still up, you're going to have to yell out the answer help? to me. About how many chicken wings will be consumed today? Think big numbers. We're big talking numbers. in the world. Give me it's a number, a lot real of quick. Wings. Go. 10 million. Way in the back. 30 million? 10 million. 30, 30 million. million. How many? 35 million. million. Let's see, right over here, how many? One and a half billion. All right, Whoa. any others? Did we miss anybody? I don't think so. All right, we didn't say you could go too high, by the way. That was not said. The correct answer is 1.25 billion. billion. Way to go, sir. Right here, sir. I'll bring this to you in a minute, Hal. I promise that not to use it. That was a lot it. of chicken okay. wings. Are you eating chicken wings today? Yes, you are. <laughs> you know how good they are and how many people love them. So I love awesome. It. Way to go. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for playing, you guys. Hey, and we are going to have some more fun tonight in our Facebook group. If you haven't joined our Orion Facebook group yet, we would love for you to come hang out with us. Um, there is going to be a slide hopefully going up. You can go to kch.ch slash Orion. That'll get you to our group. We are going to be playing live football bingo during the game. And I have more of these to give away. So come and hang out with us. It's going to be a ton of fun. Glad you're here. So I tried to play during the first service, and apparently I was disqualified because I knew all the answers. So I didn't even attempt this time, Ryan. So lame. You should have let me play. Welcome to Kensington. Some of you are checking us out for the very first time, and you're not quite sure if you're at church yet. You're like, I don't know what's happening. So I've been on staff a little over a year now, and I have learned what I did not know coming over to Kensington, which is apparently we celebrate three holidays here, Christmas, Easter, 
and Football Sunday, and it's still debatable how they rank, I think. So this is a big deal for us here, Football Sunday. Glad you've joined us. Uh, one of the things that we do that I think makes a day like this so unique is that later on we're going to watch a video of some former and current uh, NFL players, including some of the people that are going to be in the game today, just sharing some of their story of faith and journey in life and their understanding of how God has just intersected their world. And what I love is before they are football players, they're just people. And they're people who have found in the moments of life that they have felt its fragility and its uncertainty, they have met Jesus. They have met their creator. And so we're going to get to watch and listen to some of their stories in just a little bit. But one of the things I want to do before we move that direction, a couple things, I have a little bit more fun before we move on to that, though. Uh, I want to introduce you really quickly to the series that we're going to be starting next week that I'm super excited about. It is going to be a seven-week chronological follow of Jesus as he moves to the cross. And some of the last moments of his life in the days leading up to his execution and then ultimately his resurrection. And so for seven weeks, we'll start that next week, we're going to be looking at these very key moments that really in an attempt to draw out his humanity, the relatable reality that our God became one of us. And what I'm super excited about is next week, to kick the whole thing off, my wife Nicole is actually taking the stage with me, and we're going to be delivering the message together. So... I think that's going to be great. So for the next minute, here's just a quick teaser of the series that's coming. Jesus Christ was fully God in the flesh, but he was also fully human. When we look at the last week of his life before the cross, what role did his humanity play? as he faced many challenging, hurtful, beautiful, and overwhelming moments. What does it mean for the followers of Jesus that he felt the full range of human emotion during his final and indeed darkest hours on earth? Do we feel a connection to Jesus as someone who was moved deeply by beauty as we are? Do we find empathy in knowing that following God may disappoint others? Do we find ourselves challenged in what serving others actually means? Do we remember what Jesus did for us and how we should respond to this incredible act of love? Do we find light in our darkest moments, knowing that Jesus felt overwhelmed with his impending crucifixion? Do we feel less alone when we have been treated unfairly or betrayed by those close to us, knowing that Jesus was too? Does Jesus empathize with us when we are overlooked and left alone? Each week of this series, we will look at moments from Jesus' final week on earth and uncover the human emotion that he experienced. We are not bowing to a detached and cold king, but instead we are walking with an empathetic and loving God who understands our hearts. Join us for the seven-week journey that leads us up to Good Friday and Easter as we look at Jesus personified. Obviously, this time of year is when we start thinking of the crucifixion, of the resurrection, rightfully so, but there's so much more to Jesus' life and his story, and so I just, I think this is going to be an incredible experience for us to journey with him as he literally moves towards the cross and just feel the humanity of Jesus as he moves through some very human moments and experiences that we all understand and can relate to. So that's next week. We'll be launching that off. Uh, one of the things that's important for us as a community, we're going to do this right now, is to open-handedly live our lives in gratefulness 
to that Jesus. And one of the ways that we do that here is through our offering. And receiving that is one of the ways that we continue to fulfill our mission. Here's what I want you to know if you're just joining us. Whether you're online, whether you're in the room with us. If you're new, then hear this. The nature of God is a giving nature. Not a taking nature. God is not a taker after something from you. So neither are we. Our whole hope today, if you're just joining us and visiting, is that you would take from us. But there's so many of us here that we have received from God. And so what we do in these moments is about mission. Not about money for us. It's about mission to give back to so that more and more people can know there is a God. His name is Jesus, and he is wildly passionate about all of creation. So there's a couple ways that we do that here. If you want to be a part of that with us, we do not pass anything just because of COVID and all that. So you can text in. You can go to our website. You can even do it on our app. If you don't have our app, get our app. Um, and you can even go outside these doors on your way out before you leave today. If you want to do something in a bucket, drop a check in, that kind of thing, you can do that outside before you walk out of the building. So thank you for that. Now, back to a little bit of fun. So Kim started off saying we want to have fun because it's, it's football Sunday. But for me, fun always involves competition. So I thought it would be fun to have a little competition, seeing as how today taking the field in Tampa is going to be the oldest ever quarterback to lose a Super Bowl. It's going to be Tom Brady. It's going to happen later this afternoon. And one of the youngest, not the youngest, but one of the younger players that is going to be opposing him that I'm personally bent towards winning. So I am just curious, show of hands, how many of you think Brady is going to take it today? Oh, you poor people, you're so delusional. It's not going to happen. We have a prayer team here for you today because you're going to be really disappointed later. So given the fact that we've got young versus old taking the field in Tampa, I thought it would be fun to do young versus old on the stage. So this is my son Tobin, firstborn. And so, but here's the thing. We were going to originally, oh, that was cute, like four people like you. We thought it would be fun instead of throwing footballs. There you go. Instead of throwing footballs, I thought I would bring a little bit of my personal flair into this. So, we're going to be shooting some bows. Don't you take the good one. No, you, wait, what's the good one? Because during the first service, yeah, 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 you yeah. lost yeah, to this yeah, one. Yeah. I'm just saying. You just got lucky. And uh, so, so we're, I got lucky. Well, I'm going to get lucky again, so we'll see. So we, um, I tried at first to let them use, have them let me use a real bow, but they all freaked out and everybody thought I'd maybe hurt somebody. So oh, no. I'm going to settle for a nerf. Maybe some of you are thankful. So here's how this is going to go. We're going to three, two, one, and it's basically, we're going to shoot at the same time. And whoever, what do we have, six, six arrows, six shots. whoever shoots the most targets down wins unless your very first shot is the center quarterback. And you then just, you automatically win. Oh, All right? Win, so you think you're going to automatically win? I might. You're so delusional, let's too. See All right, let's see like, what we got. You ready? Ready? Oh, okay. you're not taking your extra step forward like you did last mm-hmm. time? Okay. You ready? Three, two, one. Oh. All right. All right. Let's go. Ready? Three, two, one. All right. Three, two, one. Dang. You guys saw I hit it, right? Well, it didn't go down. But I hit. That's the wrong side. <laughs> All right. Hey, I get the We've only got that. three arrows left, so let's let's move this on. Ready? We're gonna take a giant step. You ready? Take a step. You. You're way bigger than me, so I gotta take a bigger step. What the heck? You're okay. like eight inches on me, dude. All right, three, two, one. Hey, you got two shots left. Redeem yourself. You know, I will. Here we go. I'm gonna redeem myself. <laughs> really? All right, last shot. Come on. 
dang it. Well, not for me. One left for you. What do you got? Oh, that's what I got. There it is. All right. Thanks, bud. Here. So I don't know if this is a little strange to you that for the next couple minutes, about 30 minutes, you're going to sit back and you're going to watch this video. But I just want to remind you that these are, before they're football players, they're men. They're people just like you and I, who their lives had moments where God stepped into the chaos of it and reminded them that football doesn't matter, Jesus does. So here it is. Hey friends, we're on the ground in Tampa and we're excited to have you with us. Joining me today is football legend, NFL Hall of Fame coach, and one of the best men you'll ever meet, Coach Tony Dungeon. Coach, we've got the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. What's it going to take for each team to win? I think mirror images, Benjamin. Both teams, pressure defense. Both teams, great quarterbacks, explosive offenses. Who can make the big plays? Who can stop the other team from making the big plays? And what it's going to come down to, as you know, pressure on the quarterback. They always say you got to get these quarterbacks off the spot. You can't just let them sit there and pick you apart. Well, whoever wins, this game is going to be one for the ages. So welcome to the Super Bowl and welcome to Football Sunday. Do you remember where you were last year for the Super Bowl? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Probably at a Super Bowl party, just enjoying other people and standing less than six feet apart. But our world changed in a heartbeat, right? And that's what makes what I'm about to say even more important. In Psalm 16, 8, David gives us words to live by, especially in the middle of the unknown and the uncertain. He says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. In our time together today, we'll discover how that truth can be experienced in our own lives. This really is the life we're invited to live. This is what it means to be unshaken. Our first story comes from NFL linebacker Sam Macho. Sam has had a successful nine-year career in the NFL and has become an influential Christian leader, not only in the locker room, but in the world as well. And all along the way, Sam continues to discover a God who is always enough. Freshman year, University of Texas, college campus, Jester Hall, third floor right outside of the elevator. Trevor Walker, that is third-string quarterback, just waiting, reading his Bible. And so I stopped, and then maybe he stopped me, and, and we just start reading a little bit, talking a little bit, but it was at that point I said, okay, something's different about this guy. He said, if you want to be real about it, let's just be real about it. Let's live out our faith on this campus, on the football team with the guys. And it wasn't just me or him. We had about 10, 15, 20 guys on our team that wanted something more.
the spirit of God just erupted inside of me and I felt like a lion. I felt like I was just a lion in those grounds. The men there had encountered Jesus. It was the last thing I ever would have expected going to a prison. And I still keep in touch with a bunch of those guys today from that prison. I went back the year after, I went back the year after. And no matter if you're black, if you're white, if you're if you're in prison, if you're a football player, no matter who you are, God can restore and redeem. And I saw that with my own eyes. So I just signed um, a multi-year, multi-million dollar contract in the NFL. And it was like, yeah, we did it, we did it, man. God is good, everything's gonna be okay. And it wasn't. Right around that time, just the seams started to fall apart in my life. My relationship with my wife, Ngazi, blessing, right? I wasn't loving her the way I was called to love her. Even with my kids, I found myself getting angry with them often or being anxious all the time. My parents just seemed like it was just falling out with every, a lot of people, everyone and everything around me. And I was sitting down at a, at a restaurant in Chicago with one of my buddies. And I finally just got a chance to tell my mother, dude, I'm struggling. I am not doing well at all. And as I'm sharing with him everything that was going on, I'm, I'm sharing and I'm actually, I'm like, I started to cry. And he looks at me and he says, it's really nice to see you, Sam. He said, as long as I've known you, I've never seen this side of you. I've always seen the, the, the smile and the, the jerseys, and I've never seen this side of you, but it's good to know that you're human. I just was exhausted. I felt like I was carrying a lot of weight. And my teammate who walked in and he saw me, he says, hey, Acho, are you good? I looked at him and said, you know what? I'm not. He said, I don't know what's going on right now, Sam, but whatever it is, you, you need to let it out. I look at him and, and all of a sudden now I'm in the locker room now and the tears start to come. He looks at me, he says, hey, Ach, it's nice to see you. So many of us, we get trapped and caught and, and God's like, no, I see you. Let me move this weight off you. The weight I've been trying to carry was this weight of perfection, right? I have it all together. I have all the answers. I'm the star. I'm the guy. I'm great. And God's like, I didn't have you to carry that. I want you to get to know me and to spend time with me. That's all I want. I am enough, not you. I am enough. It is so easy to pretend to act like we have it all together and put on our, you know, these figurative masks that we wear and be like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. It's so easy. But God is not a God of pretending. God is a God of freedom. The Bible talks about taking up your cross daily and following me. Am I going to take up my cross and be, be real, be authentic? Or am I going to pretend and act like I got it all together and act like I have all the answers? It's a daily decision. It really is a decision we make each and every day. We believe in God, but do we believe in a God that's really enough? You know, Sam's in a professional locker room and he's sitting there and he's got a problem. Somebody recognized that one of his teammates said, hey man, you okay? And we've all been there. How much courage would it take to say, no, I'm not okay because I'm trying to do this myself and I'm not okay. 
And that courage comes when we're vulnerable. And for so many of us, we say we trust in God, but we really trust also in our accolades, in our success, and what other people say about it. Absolutely, but there's good news, great news. As Sam said, God is not a God of pretending. He doesn't pretend with us, and he doesn't want us to pretend with him. So you want to live a life that doesn't shake when the ground moves? That life happens when we keep our eyes fixed on the God who's so much more than enough. Coach, you and I both played in Super Bowls during our playing careers, and you actually coached in one too. So we thought it would be fun to ask some guys who love God and who played in the Super Bowl about their experiences. Here's what they said. Uh, Super Bowl is a little bit different because you play so much later in the afternoon. And so I actually did get up and have a uh, pretty good breakfast. You know, basically all the fixings, eggs and, uh, and, and toast. I've probably been eating the same thing before games now for the entirety of my career. And that's oatmeal and eggs. Omelet with some eggs and cheese and then some bacon and uh, pretty simple. I would usually hit the omelet bar hit the pancake bar, definitely get some fruit. You know, running out, having my name announced, the flashbulbs going off, where it really sunk in that this is real, you know, that, that, that we're here in this moment that I dreamed of so many times, a moment that I played out in my front yard so many times. My favorite part by far was the parade, um, probably four or five days after the Super Bowl. Um, Philly was just out of control. And for as long, as far as you can see, it's just people everywhere. Before the game, and Jim Zorn, my quarterback coach, he said, uh, he got this like smirk on his face and he says to the quarterbacks, he's like, how cool is this? Like, how great is this? Like, what a blessing is this? And I was like, yeah, I mean, heck yeah, we're about to win the Super Bowl. And he was like, God is on the throne whether we win or lose. And even if we win, like, we're not really on the throne. He's on the throne. I had my oldest two children there on the field with me after the game. I had my father, my mom, my wife, my brother, all there with me after the game. And just to share in that moment with him. I first met Brandon Cooks when he joined the Saints in 2014. As a football player, Brandon was fast. Like, levels, lightning, fast. We couldn't believe how fast this dude was at rookie minicamp. One day, Brandon approached myself and Luke McCown about getting baptized. We had been meeting with Brandon throughout the year on Saturdays before the games, just going through scripture, answering questions. So he said, you know what, I want to get baptized. So we baptized him in the training room whirlpool that day in front of his teammates and coaches. A few years later, his faith would be tested when he and his wife, Brianna, were confronted with a significant health challenge, one that's common, but not often talked about. This is your story. One of her friends was dating one of my teammates and she would come to the field. You know, I was able to take her on a date and then from there on, you know, you give me the chance, then it's over from there. And so we've been together since since my junior year. I've been a headache probably, but you know, she loves me and I love her. And she's she's a special girl. From there on, 
we were trying to get pregnant. We, we knew we wanted to start a family right away once we got married. And so we were trying since 18 and, um, you know, going, it wasn't going too well for both of us. Like, we just got to keep having faith. Unfortunately, you know, they said we weren't going to be able to have kids naturally, you know, because their tubes um, were messed up. And so we had to remove those. So then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. When you hear that, I'm like, then how can you have kids? Over 100 shots for the egg retrieval. And once we did that, she still had to stay on the shots to trick the body saying that, you know, she's, she's pregnant. And that was hundreds of more shots. We went to New Zealand in January, right after the season. And she had all her, had her shots, her syringes. Just if she missed a day or two, really a day, then it messed up the process. You know, she's getting shots on the plane. She's like, oh, I gotta, it's whatever time it is, I gotta go do my shot, we're on the plane. We land, I do my shots, and I'm like, I mean, all I can do is just comfort her, really. In the process that women have to go through that, that do the IVF, um, they're warriors. There's without a doubt, without a doubt. And we get the call, and they're like, well, and we're like, oh, they go, you know, you're pregnant. And we're like, wow. But then we look at each other like, really? Like, this the way we find out? Like, you know, naturally, you're like, okay, you know, take a pregnancy test. So then we get home, she's like, I'm still taking a pregnancy test. We're still going to take the photo for memory. <laughs> we head over to the hospital. It's about three in the morning now. And on our, on our note, she goes, if I ask for epidural, that's just because I'm in pain. Encourage me not to get it. So we get to the point, she's like, I want the shot. I'm like, I'm reading off the notes. Like, you told me, like, you got this. No, I want it. I'm like, okay. that Christ has for us, that God has for us, is, is was magnified when I had my own child. I now understand, like, it's no-brainer why God loves us so much now. It's, it's just a different, it's just a different meaning now. It's a different meaning. When you hear a story like that, it's hard not to see the sovereign hand of God. And we've all been there. And it's tough, even though you have faith, to say, I understand God, even when it doesn't make sense. And God is in control, even when it doesn't make sense, but it's still painful. And it's important that we realize that. We're all still living through a pandemic. Your finances, your health, your small business, your personal losses, a death in the family, all these things are happening during this time. And our families are living through these things too. Our families are so important, and they've been impacted by COVID during the past year, not just us, 
It can all feel very uncertain and at times even overwhelming. But I know this from years of personal experience. Whether it feels like it or not, God is sovereign in these things because God is sovereign in all things, even the uncertain things, even a pandemic. And maybe you just needed to hear Coach say that one time. God is sovereign in the pandemic. With the strength of God empowering us, we really can be unshaken by focusing and continually focusing our eyes on a God who is sovereign over all of us. I think when you wake up or get up in the morning, it's early. And I think the, the first thing you think of is, did that really just happen? Did that game just happen? It seems like a dream. I was more excited because the following Saturday after the first Super Bowl victory, I was getting married. We were so close and we had a great year. And I feel like we were probably one of the best teams, if not the best team in football that year, but we didn't get it done on Super Bowl Sunday. Like five or six of us had to go play in the Pro Bowl right after that. And all of a sudden we're on the beach sitting next to all the Pittsburgh Steelers that just beat us in the Super Bowl. And it was kind of, it was a little bit difficult, quite honestly. Like you wanted to be angry at them and bitter and all this. And then Troy Palomalo's playing catch with your kids and keeping them occupied for two hours. And you're like, well, he seems like a really great guy. You know, I think it was simply just the appreciation for the opportunity. When I look back at uh, everything that went into those seasons, the ups and downs, uh, it's the relationships that really stick out. And to have it play out the way that it did and to win the Super Bowl and find yourself, you know, the morning after, being able to reflect on that and just being grateful. As we talk about living a life that's unshaken, we need to be honest about something that's shaken all of us in the last year. In one way or another, the issue of racial justice has risen to the surface in our country and in our conversations. I recently sat down with two former players who come from different racial backgrounds and who've been best friends for 30 years. John Kitten and Eric Bowles met on the football field at Central Washington University. Eric signed with the Jets, John signed with the Seahawks. These guys are not only influential Christian leaders, but they're best friends who model a relationship where hard conversations on race are normal and even invited. Here's the interview with Benjamin, John, and Eric. What does it look like for two believers who know each other, but first and foremost are, are Christians? How do you address these issues together? I gotta put what the Word of God says first. Now, if that's what I'm gonna put first, my willingness to have real conversations with others and it, it has to come from so when we talk we've been doing this for years though bro it isn't like we're having deep conversations about racial uh conciliation and race stuff we've been having that from the beginning john 17 john 17 this is when my grandma always says that this is the lord's prayer because this is actually when jesus is praying for his disciples so this is his prayer my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in their message through them, that all may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. His purpose in unity was not just to get along. His purpose in unity was so that the world may believe that you sent me. We can look at this huge worldly problem 
and wonder how does it get fixed? Well, it gets fixed by starting with the individual. Starting with the individual. What is our basis for truth? Do we really believe the Bible? Do we really believe that God made man and woman in his image? Because if he made man and woman in his image, and for us to hate or have some sort of prejudice towards someone else because of what the color of their skin is or their cultural background or whatever it is, then what we're saying is, I truly, I hate God. Yeah. In this arena, what does repentance look like for an individual, for a family, for a church, for a nation? Repentance is an acknowledgement of the of falling short of God's standard. And then saying, okay, as a result of that, here's what needs to change. Here's what things I need to do differently so that I don't keep falling short of what God's standard is. And so when you're talking about in this area, we all have to ask ourselves, when I see a certain person, when I see a person that looks like this or comes from this kind of background or I'm driving in a certain area, does it stir things up in me? Or do I see certain people and show favoritism to a person that looks like this as opposed to a person that looks like that? All that stuff is non, that's non-biblical. God, it was called out over and over in scripture. And at some point, the word of God is supposed to be, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It doesn't supposed to feel good. It's and I don't know if enough people have had any have experienced slicing and dicing that the word does. Like that good hurt. You know what I'm saying? If we're being real, if we're if we're being real, we should be confessing and repenting hundreds of times a day. Being diverse in skin tone is not the same as being diverse in thought. And so it's okay to have diverse thinking. It's okay to have people who think slightly different and it all falls under the cross so you know my encouragement my charge to the church is like let's not be afraid let's not like put up borders and trying to keep people out man the bible tells us to go out into all the world and connect we don't have to be afraid of the world like actually like scriptures already says that the the the, the, the gates of hell should not prevail against it like we keep acting like we're playing on defense man bro look look blitz throw the ball deep <laughs> Man, let's run up the score, and now's the time to do it. Man, I love those guys, and, and I love what Eric said about the church. We don't need to be afraid of the world because we have Jesus, and Jesus told us perfect love casts out fear, so we don't need to be afraid. Exactly. I love this interview, but also we have a mandate as a church. We can't sit back and watch these things happen. We have to get involved with what's happening in the world right now. That's our job as the body of Christ. There's so much more to this interview, so much more. This is only the tip of the iceberg. So you need to go and see the rest of the interview with Eric and John. It's available at the Football Sunday website. Head to the site later today, experience it for yourself, but don't let it only experience it, do something about it. Our final story is from NFL quarterback Carson Wentz. During his five-year NFL career, Carson has experienced the ups and downs of the game. But if you listen to his story, it's clear that his foundation lies somewhere else, in something else. This is Carson's story.
grew up in uh, Bismarck, North Dakota. Was extremely active in sports. That was pretty much my life. Parents got divorced when I was seven. I was a good kid. I stayed out of trouble. You know, we, we went to church. It was kind of just something we did. It's kind of something we checked the boxes, so to speak. And I thought I was right with God because I was a good kid. I listened to what my dad said. I didn't want to get in trouble. Didn't want to miss sports. Kind of all those things, all those factors in my mind made me think I'm good. And then I go to college. And at that point, it's, okay, you're no longer in your parents' house. It's time to grow up, make your own decisions. I remember one of our first practices. It was a senior quarterback at the time named Dante Perez. He ends up asking me, hey, man, you ever read the Bible? It was our first practice. I just got done learning about two-jet protection and what the X has on the certain plays and all these things. My head's spinning. And he wants to talk about the Bible. And I'm kind of taken back. At the same time, though, I was like, here it is, because I knew God was kind of moving. And from that moment on, him and I started talking. He was a mentor to me. We read the entire New Testament and met up, you know, at least once a week and, and talked through the word. And it just came to life to me. You know, it was really eye-opening to me. I always said I was a believer in Jesus, but I didn't really know what he did for me. You know, I thought it was all about what I could do for him. And when that kind of mindset was flipped on its head and that it was already done for me and that it was a thing called grace and I could live for him freely and not out of rules and obligation, it, it just changed my life. We met actually in the country of Haiti and she was there serving uh, with an organization called Mission of Hope. And this was after my rookie year went down on a mission trip with the, the church that we go to out here in uh, New Jersey. We ended up talking and I just, just to see another woman that, that was truly after God's heart in that moment um, and trying to serve him the way that uh, I was trying to live as well. About a year and a couple months later, we were married. And now we have a, a daughter who's uh, seven months old now and, and she is an absolute joy. It's been, uh, it's been quite the journey together so far. We were all on this, on this high as a team. You know, I was um, in the MVP conversation, and our team was. You know, we just clinched the NFC East, and all sorts of good things going. And uh, my season was done. And for me, I've fa I've had a fair share of injuries, but never something like that. Never something where I literally had zero control of my life. I, I couldn't walk. I couldn't get off the couch to go to the bathroom by myself. I couldn't. Just complete control I had to be surrendered. Believe me, I wasn't the best patient. I was frustrated. I was crabby. It was a trying time. But to look back at it and to see, you know, we go on to win the Super Bowl. Everyone knows that story. And, and I was not out there. And to walk through that, um, obviously it was tough at the time. And I still look back and think it was a tough time. But I know God was moving in my life. And he wanted me to know that he loves me so much that my relationship with him is far more important than winning a Super Bowl, than being on that stage in my uniform, than playing in that game, but ultimately playing for his glory and saying, God, your will be done. And just how God has had his hand from that moment on um, in my life. And, and I thank him for it. For me, I've always been a guy that, that wants to have control and my selfishness and my want, desire for control has to decrease every moment. And it has to just allow God to increase in my life, to try my best to be spirit led and not Carson led. Sometimes I just look at my daughter and I kind of laugh because I'm like, she's mine. And the way I love her that I can't even explain or understand, I know doesn't even compare to how much God loves us almost makes me emotional sometimes because I'm just like, this is my daughter. 
And God, you gave your son to die for, for me. And I'm like, I would never let anything happen to this little girl because she is mine. Like, because of how much he loves me, he was willing to allow his son to go through the agony of dying on that cross. And I think that is when the peace just rushes over me. And I think, all right, God, there's so much more at play than the X's and O's of football, than the highs and lows of wins and losses. And that gives me peace. If you're a football fan, you already know that Carson's season didn't turn out like he wanted it to. No, it didn't, but it was his faith that's given him a perspective that's so much bigger than, you know, just the X's and O's of football. And it's really interesting to me, Benjamin, it was really the birth of his daughter that I think showed Carson that love that God has for us, that God is with us even through all the turmoil, even through all the problems. There's nothing better than coming back to the truth that we are unconditionally loved by the God who created us. And because of that great love, he gave his only son, Jesus, to live with us and to die for us. I love the way Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 5:19. He says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. In Christ, when we're forgiven, we're reconciled back into that relationship that we were created for in the first place. So in times that are confusing, like now, we can rest in the truth that the heart of God is always loving and is always pursuing a deeper relationship with us. Our time together wouldn't be complete unless I ask you the most important question anyone will ever ask. Have you been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ? God not only loves you, but he created you to personally experience that love in a relationship with him. The problem is that we turn away from that relationship. We all have our different reasons for running away, but the Bible calls it sin. We all sin and we're born into it. And this means that when we pass from this life into the next, we're eternally separated from him. But the great news is this, because of his heart to be reconciled with us, God gave his son Jesus to die in our place, to pay the penalty that we deserve. Every time we see an image of the cross in our churches, our paintings, our jewelry, or anywhere, it's a reminder of the truth that Jesus paid the price so that we don't have to. And it just gets better. On the third day, Jesus rose again, overcoming the power of death, just like he said he would. But here's the thing, God still requires a response on our part. The Bible calls this response faith. It's the confident trust in what Jesus has done on our behalf. In a completely honest and unedited moment with God, we acknowledge that we're currently headed in the wrong direction, that we're not following the one who alone holds the offer of real life. So I just need to ask you, is today that moment for you? What if this is the day to turn in the direction of God and to say yes to his new direction in your life? The gift has already been given and it's waiting for you to receive it and to open it. If that's your heart's desire, if it's time to enter into the very relationship you were created for in the first place, I'd like to invite you to pray these words as I pray them out loud. Dear God, thank you for loving me and for pursuing me all the days of my life. 
I fully acknowledge that I have pushed you away and I've lived my life apart from you. And for this, I am truly sorry. In this moment, I ask you to forgive my sins and to restore me completely back to you, back into the relationship I was created for. Jesus, I believe that you are God and that your death paid the penalty for my sins. And I believe that you rose again on the third day in victory over death. Today, I receive your gift of forgiveness and life. I will follow you wherever you lead. And I will be a reflection of you for the world to see. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, the Bible says that all of heaven is celebrating right now because the reconciliation that God has always longed for just happened with you. This will become the most defining moment of your life. So welcome home. Welcome to true and abundant life, both now and forevermore. Unshaken, when the ground beneath us is rumbling, this one thing is always true. We serve a God who cannot and will not ever be moved. And I hope you're hearing that message today. Maybe it's through Sam's story that God is more than enough. Or maybe it's through Brandon's story as God invites you to fully embrace just how sovereign he really is. Or maybe through Carson's story, he's reminding you that you are loved and that a relationship with you is worth the price of the cross. Whatever the case, we're so grateful you joined us today. So on behalf of Sam, Brandon, Carson, John, Eric, Benjamin, and the entire team at Football Sunday. Thanks for joining us. And as we wrap up our time together, may we become people who write these words on our hearts. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Let's get ready for some football. Enjoy the Bucks yes. and the Chiefs. Have a great day. first watched that video during the week and I saw the theme because they actually record this during the week so they can get with players and all the chaos of what's happening in the week of the extra Super Bowl. So we just get a copy of this the week of ourselves. And when I watched it, like the whole theme of being unshaken for me personally resonated immediately because there's a verse that I feel like has been a foundation for me this last year and all the craziness that has been our shaking world. I want to read it to you. It's found in a book called Hebrews. It's the 12th chapter, the 28th verse. It says this, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us then be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And I love this promise that God makes to us that he is the king of a kingdom that doesn't shake. But then beyond that, he says that's what he gives us. Because Paul says in this text, since we're receiving this, God says, I'm giving this. This is my offer to you, is a kingdom that doesn't shake. An experience that shouldn't make sense, but it is real, that while everything around us in this world 
can go up and down and left and right and shake violently. God says, I'm giving you an experience with me where it doesn't matter how much the world shakes, I don't. And there will be a firmness and a steadfastness within you that will take you because I will take you through anything and everything, no matter how violent it is, no matter how much it shakes, because I am the unshakable king who rules an unshakable kingdom, and he offers it to us. And the incredible thing about a kingdom, though, I think, and part of what is the experience of the unshakable nature of God is God himself, right? He is the king. But a king only is a king if he has a kingdom, and that's not brick and mortar, that's people. And part of how we experience the unshakable nature of God is in relationship with his people. It starts first with him, the unshakable nature of God's love for us, and that he's more than even, frankly, just a king. Do you know the number one way that God is described to us by himself all throughout this book? The number one way he wants us to understand him so that we will know how to relate to him. It isn't actually as a king. It's as a dad. The number one way that God describes himself to us, his own words, is as a father. Even when I was watching this, it's funny when you get to watch things like this multiple times over. Different things will catch you at different times. And this time, something stood out to me that didn't the first time that I saw it and even the time before that during the week. And it's when they showed the picture of the baby's outfit with the, the, um, the shots and it said every shot was worth it. And I thought when I was sitting here this morning that that's God's message to you. Every thorn was worth it. Every lash was worth it. Every nail was worth it. Every fist was worth it. Every rejection was worth it. Every breath was worth it for you and I. The unshakable nature of God begins first in relationship with God, the king of the unshakable kingdom, the father of all humanity. But then we also experience it in relationship with one another. One of the greatest tragedies to me is that we have turned the church into simply a Sunday morning experience so often. It's a come and consume and sit and leave, and, and we have turned that into the experience of the church, and it's no wonder so many of us find it to be so empty after a while. Because the experience of the church is never meant to be a program or a Sunday morning, it's meant to be the relationships of God's people, his kingdom, walking this life together so that when we begin to shake, we're held up by one another. When, when we have those moments that life takes us down, we've got three people on either side picking us right back up. That's part of the experience of the unshakable kingdom of God is with the people that make up that kingdom. So one of the ways that I just hope we will walk out of here today is with a posture of just being available to God. Whether that's a, a posture of availability that says, I just, I want to receive more of you, God. I have places in my life right now that, frankly, I'm just trying to get it done on my own. And I want to receive more of you as my good father. Or maybe it's just a posture of availability that says, there's stuff in my life that, that I just need to give back to you. Parts of my life that I'm just going, I'll, I'll make it work on my own. I'll be self-reliant. And he's going, hey, just give that to me. And your availability posture is maybe just saying, you know what? I want to be available enough to you to say, you will be my strength in life. I can't create the unshakable world around me that I want, but you can. Or maybe it's a posture of availability that says, I need to be in relationship. 
I need to get into a group. I need to make movement towards people. I need to keep participating, whether that's watching online or actually being here physically, but actually doing it consistently. Or maybe it's even stepping in and getting involved. You know, oftentimes when we make opportunities open up to get involved here, I think one of the misconceptions we make is that when we say, hey, get involved, it's because we need help. Do you realize that the greatest reason that we say get involved here isn't because we just have slots to fill? but it's because something beautiful and powerful and unshakable happens when we lock arms together in relationships for the sake of the kingdom and to the mission of the gospel. That's where the unshakable foundation begins to grow so firm is when we walk with one another in commitment to the kingdom. There's so many ways to do that in and around Kensington. I wanna just highlight two that I think are just incredible places. I, like I'm seeing the community in some of these places and just love what I see there. It's not just places to serve, it's places to be known. One is with our K-Kids team and there's growing opportunities there. Now that we've opened up the 11 o'clock service with K-Kids today and going forward, there's opportunities that haven't previously been there for you to find community, connection, relationship there. But I'll tell you another place and this is one that I get to work uniquely with and work very closely with is our production team. These are not just the knob turners and the getter dunners of Sunday morning. This is a community. Like I'm watching the relationships in this team and it's incredible. Like these are people, men and women that are doing life together, that are experiencing kingdom together. As a matter of fact, I wanna highlight just one of them for a brief minute. If you were here with us last week or you watched online, you saw Justin's story. He was one of the guys that got baptized, stood up here on stage, he read his story. Remember Justin from last week? Guess where he's at this morning? If you can see him, turn around. He's at our camera right there, straight back. Justin, who got baptized last week and is stepping in, not because we have roles to fill, but because we have opportunities to walk locked arms in this thing called the kingdom of God, and there he is being a part of it. So I just hope that part of your posture of availability today is if, if you're one of the people that's seen church as simply something to come to and then leave on Sunday morning, I'm just telling you, you're missing it you're getting only an ounce of what it is that God offers you. And maybe it's why for some of us, there's even been an agitation and a frustration with this thing called church because you're only actually tasting a little bit of it. So we're gonna sing a song right now. We're gonna close with this one that I think is just a perfect way to end this morning. The song is called Available. And I would just ask you if you sing it or if you just sit and meditate or, or if you just sit and listen, is that what you would do is just ask God if he would whisper something into your ear that you need to hear about how it is he's asking your heart to be available to him today.
glad you guys are here with us. I hope this morning felt meaningful to you. My prayer is that as you walk out of here, even if right now you're going, I don't know that I got anything out of today. My hope is that God will continue to pursue and whisper to you in the days to come how passionate he is for you, how wild he is for you. This morning as you do leave, we have a team of people here, our prayer team that's right back here. You can see the open door. Uh, they're here to serve you, pray with you, especially you Brady fans. You may want to go back there and get some pre-prayer, anticipating your disappointment happening later today. Uh, but just let them serve you if they can before you walk out today. Don't forget, if you're going to play bingo with us later tonight, you can pick up a copy of your board on the way out. If you're watching online, you can download a copy of it as well. For those of you that aren't going to watch the Super Bowl, uh, let's still have a good time together. So glad you were here. Looking forward to next week, the launch off our new series with my wife, and we will see you next Sunday. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.